We're going to read in the book of Psalms. We've been journeying through the entire scripture from Genesis all the way now to the book of Psalms, and we're in Psalm 35. And so I want to uh, encourage you to go ahead and, and, and draw your attention to Psalm 35. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. We do this every morning, every weekday morning. We just spend time in the reading of the word. I'm going to spend about 20 minutes, maybe less today reading. And then we're going to spend a little bit of time to uh, reflect on the scripture as well. And so um, I'll be sure to economize our time today, but I do want to make sure that we really commit this time, commit this time in in a powerful way as we seek to hear from God, right? That, that's, our, that's the whole thing here is that we want to read meditationally. We want to read the word, but we want to eat the word and we want to receive what the word has for us. And so to receive the word, we ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question that we ask. The second question that we commit to is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? What are you revealing concerning people? And then the third question we ask is, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? And so that's what we're going to commit our time to today as we read the word. Father, I pray today that you would speak to us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would guide us and lead us in your truth. Um, Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be our truth, but your truth, that we would see revelation of you. Lord, even through the scriptures, as we read through the Psalms, Father, attend to our emotions, disciple our hearts, shape us and mold us, conform us, um, Lord, that we would see your heart, and Lord, that it would mold our heart to be conformed into you. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Speak to us today, Lord, as we read your word. Psalm 35, and it says this, Plead my cause, O Lord, with those who strive with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Also, draw out the spear and stop those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let those who put to shame, let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor who seek my life. Let those be turned down or turned, sorry, let those be turned back and brought to confusion who plot my hurt. Let them be like chafe before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them and let the way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord pursue them for without cause they have hidden their net for me in a pit, which they have dug without cause for my life. Let destruction come upon him unexpectedly and let his net that he has hidden catch himself into that very destruction, let him fall. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him? Yes, the poor and the needy from him who plunders him. Fierce witnesses rise up. They ask me things that I do not know. They reward me evil for good. They, sorry, they reward me evil for good to the sorrow of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer would return to my heart. I paced about as though he were my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one who mourns for his mother. But in my adversity, they rejoiced. And gathering together, attackers gathered against me, and I did not know it. They tore at me and did not cease. Hmm. With godly mockers at feasts, they gnashed at me with their teeth. Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue me from their destructions, my precious life from the lions. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. I will praise you among many people. Let them not rejoice over me who are wrongfully my enemies, nor let them wink their eye who hate me without a cause. For they do not seek peace, but they divide, devise deceitful matters against the quiet ones in the land. They also open their mouths wide against me. And say, aha, our eyes have seen it. This you have seen, O Lord. Do not keep silence. O Lord, do not be far from me. Stir up yourself and awake to my vindication, to my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness. And let them not rejoice over me. And let them not say in their heart, ah, so we would have it. 
Let them not say, we have swallowed him up. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion. Who rejoice at my hurt, let them be clothed with shame and dishonor. Who exalt themselves against me, let them shout for joy and be glad. Who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. Hmm. Chapter 36. An oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes when he finds out his iniquity and when he hates. The words of the Lord are, sorry, the words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He devises wickedness on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not abhor evil. Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are a great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Oh, continue your loving kindness to those who know you. And your righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of your pride come against me. And let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the workers of iniquity have fallen. They have been set down and are not able to rise. One more. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your iniquity as the light and your justice as a new day. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the men who bring wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Hmm. The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied, but the wicked shall perish and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadow shall vanish into smoke. They shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet 
have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore, for the Lord loves justice. He does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked, ha, they shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man, and observe the upright. For the future of that man is peace, but the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off, but salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them and he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. They trust in him. Hmm. What a powerful reminder we have this morning. What a powerful reminder of the goodness of God this morning. I, I say this to you, and I say this with all sincerity. I want you to know this is all in love and in all sincerity. God's got this. I say that for you because for many of you, there's too many things that you're taking in your own hands. Too many things that you're carrying. Too many things that you're trying to take care of for yourself. Not realizing that the more that you're taking on for yourself, the more fatigued you are, the more burdened you are, the more tired you are. No, no, no. Cast your burdens on the Lord. Give it all up to God. God has got this. Let him give you strength. Align with him. Let him be your strength in your moment of weakness. You know, the scriptures say to us that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So in the moment that you feel weak, that's when you can ask for the grace of God. Your weakness activates God's strength. Did you know that? Did you know that when you are weak, that's when God proves that he is strong? It's in your moment of weakness, in your moment where you don't feel like you can anymore. It's in your moment where you've given up on trying to get this done on your own. It's in that moment that God then manifests his strength. His strength is perfected in our weakness. That's Bible, y'all. That's Bible. And I read this today. And what comes to my mind and what is really speaking deeply to my spirit is how much we take on our own and in our own hands. Particularly speaking, when it comes to the matter of justice. I've said this, and I'll say this for all the new folk and everybody who's here as you're joining, as you're coming along, as you're participating with me in this time I've said this before that when you ask, well, what is well, what are some some grand themes of the scripture? What is a theme? What is a what is the idea of the Bible? What is the story of the Bible? What is the purpose of the Bible? And really, if you if I were to put it in a nutshell, the purpose of the scripture is to reveal to us how God is making all things right again. The purpose of the Bible is this story. The Bible is a story. 
of how God is making things all right again, how God is putting things new and making things new and putting things together and aligning things back to his will, making things right, um, eradicating pain and suffering and strife. It's about God making things right, doing it out of his love and his grace and his mercy because we are his creation, created to be co-creators with God, to participate with God. God has breathed his spirit into us. There is a spirit in a man, this spirit that gives him understanding, and it's the spirit that he gives us that God wants now expressed all throughout the earth, but he wants his spirit, not our spirit. He wants his mind and not our mind, and yet over time we've been using our mind, and in the end it has left with left us with brokenness. And so as a result, God is saying, I'm coming to make all things right. I'm coming to make all things new. Watch what I do and watch how I work and watch what I've done and watch what I continue to do. And that, my friends, is what the Bible is about. It's about the justice of God. There's death in the world, strife in the world, pain in the world, brokenness in the world, hurt in the world. All this exists because we want to go our own way. We need to own all the pain and brokenness of the world. We need to own the strife and the pain. We need to stop pointing at God and blaming God for the things that we ought to take responsibility for. Death, sickness, strife, all this is in the hands of humanity. We did this. We did this. And yet even though we did this, oh, God did so much more. God who loved us and who created all things, who made things perfect and new that we then may have adulterated. God comes in and he says, I'm going to enter back into my creation. I'm going to take on the image of the creation that I created to be an image of me. And I'm going to do my work to restore them to me. And, in, and upon restoring them to me, the earth will be restored. And if the earth can be restored, then my glory can finally manifest. And then the world will see what it looks like for God to truly be fully manifest on the earth. That is the work that God is doing. That's what the justice of God looks like. And for many of us, we are so burdened, burdened by the things that are happening in this world, by the strife, the pain, and the suffering of this world. We are so burdened by well, God, why is life not working the way it should be? Why is there death? Why is there pain? Why is there strife? Why, 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 why? And often we find ourselves in a moment of fatigue or we're just tired. Tired of fighting. Have you ever been here where you're just tired? You're just tired. You're tired of fighting. You're tired of pressing. You're, you're tired of wrestling. You're tired of trying to fix it. You're, you're, you're tired of trying to make it right. You're just tired. You're tired. Man, life can be so heavy sometimes. All the pain, all the strife in the world, all the brokenness in the world, all the hate, all the anger, all the just, just all of it, all the injustice. It's just, it's tiring. It's tiring, tired of the pain, tired of the injustice. It's tiring. For some, it's like, man, I'm just tired. What if I told you that you can cast your burdens on the Lord? What if I told you that it's not on you to make it all right? What if I told you that if you rely on the Lord and rest in Him, He'll give you understanding in the midst of your pain? Mm. I am the God who will make all things new. This is what he's saying. And for many of us, we're doing, 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 and making it right. So why am I saying all this? Because this is what this speaks into. Is this speaks into how we, as a people, navigate and traverse through the injustice of the world. because there is injustice in the world. <sighs> the children of Israel would sing these songs 
And these songs were sung in a time where they were suffering injustice. The children of Israel were suffering injustice as they sang these these songs and they would sing them over and over again and and you would hear the words that are being sung and yet these are the words that are sung in response to the injustice that they see trust in the lord what is it saying in 37 verse 3 trust in the lord and do good dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness i'm going to come back to that in a minute i'm going to come back to that in a minute delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. He gives them a message of hope, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. But the meek, verse 11, shall inherit the earth. And notice that God is the one who's going to handle wickedness, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken. Can I help you understand for a moment what wickedness is? Because, um, and this is just a side note, because I want you to be where I'm at as I'm reading this. When people think of wickedness, they think of wickedness as people doing bad things. <laughs> Let me say that one more time. When people think of wickedness, they think of people who are doing evil things. Yes, that's wickedness. Wickedness is when people are doing evil things, bad things. So we think of wickedness, we think of murder, we think of theft, we think of, of, of you know, racism, and, 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 we, and, we, and we think of all these bad things that people do to people. That's what we think of when we think of wickedness. Yes, wickedness, evil, you know, sex trafficking, human trafficking, slavery, like these things are wicked. So we think of that as wicked. But if I can back up for a minute and help you understand that when the scriptures speak about wickedness, they're not just speaking about the evil that you see that you believe is bad. No, no, no. They're talking about anything that is separate from the justice of God. Anything other than God's justice is considered wickedness. And yet we're so busy trying to make things right for ourselves, we have forgotten what does it mean for things to be made right in the Lord. Anything other than the righteousness of God is wickedness. Anything other than the pursuit of the righteousness of God is wickedness. It's not, don't, don't think for a moment that wickedness is when people do stuff that makes you feel bad. You know, the world has a definition for wickedness, but the Bible has a whole different definition for wickedness. The world will say anything that makes us uncomfortable, causes us pain, or anytime one person uh, subverts another person, or anytime there's murder, strife, pain, sex trafficking, abuse, murder, all these things, this, this is wickedness. But no, 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 the Bible's definition of wickedness is not that. Wickedness is any pursuit of anything other than the glory of God. Anything other than the pursuit of the glory of God. Any deviation from the glory of God is injustice. I want you to soak on that for a minute. If wickedness is injustice, any pursuit other than the righteousness of God, the glory of God is injustice. The world has a definition of injustice. And unfortunately, this is the danger and this is the issue of when the church gets involved in certain justice movements. When the church gets involved in certain social justice movements and the church gets involved in it without any intention other than to simply make right what they believe should be right. When worldly wisdom is being imposed on it, when it's not being driven by the glory of God or the righteousness of God, but by simply the satiating of human comfort. There's a problem with that. 
And the problem that I have is, is that for a lot of justice movements, justice movements are mostly, they mostly exist for whatever they believe that something should be right. Or that something should be, I know it's going to make some folks uncomfortable, but I, and I, I know we're just, we're, I'm just ranting. Stay with me now. Cause this is, this is what, this is what matters in the book of Psalms, y'all. This is what matters as we're reading these three chapters that we just read. This is what matters in the text is, is that we want social justice, but to what end? Like, why do we want social justice? It's not to say something wrong with social justice, but, but for what purpose is it? For our glory? Is it to finally make one people group more comfortable than another? Is it so that we can simply elevate a people? Is it for the glory of man? Because if it is for the glory of man, then that in and of itself is injustice. That is not social justice because justice as God defines it is his righteousness. So if it isn't for the glory of God to bring awareness of the glory of God and who we are, not in ourselves, but in God, and if it's simply for the alleviation of pain and suffering, then that is injustice. It is not the gospel. It is not the gospel. Because now, we're making things right for ourselves. And this is the problem with many of our justice movements today. We are talking about human rights, but you cannot speak about human rights apart from the image of God. You cannot speak human rights, racial equity. You can't speak about any of that apart from the image of God. What motivates us to seek after justice is the very truth that we have been created in the image of God. Every one of us, each and every one of us, not the color of our skin, not our gender, not our, not our, our whatever identity that we have. We have all been made. Every human being has been made in the image of God, not because of our intelligence, not because of where we came from. We have all been made in the image of God. And until we redeem, Redeem, not humanity for humanity's sake, but simply to redeem humanity for the glory of God. Whatever social justice movement you got on your mind or whatever it is that you're pushing for is demonic and it's not the gospel. The gospel always points back to Christ. It always, always points back to Christ. That is my problem with the social justice movements today. That is my issue. My issue with the justice system. I got a problem with the justice system. I got a problem with justice movements. I got a problem with social justice movements. The issue that I have with them is that we have developed a morality and a moral structure that seeks to simply glorify ourselves rather than pointing to the morality and the righteousness of God. I got a problem with that. Because when it's not pointing to the righteousness of God, allowing God then to work and to shape and to mold us into his image, your social justice movement is simply the idolatry of self and the idolatry of people, which is in itself demonic. It's in itself demonic. And so if we're not seeking the justice of God and simply the glory of man, we are committing wickedness before God. What motivates you for social justice? Is it your comfort and glory or is it the glory of God? Does anybody understand what I'm saying? And often what happens is in these justice movements, is it's not driven by restoration, but it's driven by vengeance. Wow, I'm ranting today. I didn't know where I was going to go. 
See, this is the problem, y'all. When I get into read and rant, this is this is the issue. Is I'm just flowing with whatever is coming as it comes, and I apologize because sometimes it can be hard, it can be tough, but it's all in love, y'all. Okay, it's all in love. It's all in love. The problem with the justice system today is that it simply seeks comfort. It simply seeks the glory of man and not the glory of God. And so most of our justice systems today, while they had a construct of the morality of God, end up being demonic and is simply seeking after the glory and the comfort of man. And so by consequence, there's never really restoration in the justice system to humanity. There's simply vengeance. Our justice system now is around vengeance and not restoration. That's why we have a justice system today that simply puts people in prison and puts people in jail. And whatever it is that doesn't feel right, we never look at the broad picture. We never look at the broad narrative. We don't look at the broad story. We don't see what's happening on a broad level because really we have a justice system that's seeking simply to maintain our own comfort. And because we're trying to maintain our own comfort, not realizing that that our justice system is unjust because it doesn't seek the glory of God. It's seeking the glory of man. And so what drives our justice system is vengeance. Make them pay for what they did. You want to know why our justice system is unjust? Our justice system is unjust because it's not driven by the redemption of humanity, the glory of God. It's driven by the comfort and the glory of man and vengeance. So we have a justice system that only seeks to put people in jail, but doesn't look to find how they can be restored to the image of their divine creator. So instead, we put them in for our comfort and for not the glory of God. Hmm. And so we seek vengeance and in itself, by implication, the justice system now becomes injustice. That is what's happening to our justice system today. And that's why we see so much injustice because we're taking vengeance on our own. We have taken it on our own. Think about this for a moment, though, that if the justice system, if the justice system reflected, sorry, if God, put it this way, if God dealt with us the way that we deal with people who've broken the law, if God dealt with us the way we deal with people who've broken our system of law. What would happen to us? Because the justice system of God without redemption and restoration is eternal punishment. And yet when we see the heart and the justice of God, what we realize is, is that God developed a system within the system to bring us back into his presence and to draw us back into his presence, God was in the business of restoring humanity to himself, not vengeance on people who've made him uncomfortable. As a matter of fact, he paid the price for our injustice. So if you refuse the justice of God, then you'll suffer the justice of the enemy. I want you guys to understand this now. Is as our world has drawn further and further and further away from God, the justice system is becoming more and more. Let me say that. Let me say that. I'm going to I'm going to record this cuz this is important. As the world becomes further and further and further away from God, 
as the world seeks more and more for the glory of themselves, for power, for money, for influence, as we begin to see more and more and more of that, understand that the justice system is becoming more and more and more unjust. Because what is driving the justice system now is not the glory of God and the restoration of humanity, but the comfort of man, power, and vengeance. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. <laughs> and yet, even in the midst of that justice, which is injustice, in the midst of that system, we are asking the question, what do we do? How do we make this right? We need to go and fight. We need to fight for justice. We need to fight for justice. We need to, we need to, we need, we, we need revenge. You cannot deal with, you cannot address injustice with injustice. You cannot fight darkness with darkness. Let me say that one more time. You cannot fight darkness with darkness. You cannot fight evil with evil. <laughs> Jesus has already won. So if you fight evil with evil, you will suffer the fate of the evildoer that you have proposed evil to. You don't fight injustice with injustice. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Stop taking it in your own hands. Let God take it. Rather than fighting darkness with darkness, why not be a light in the midst of darkness? Why not be hope in the midst of darkness? Why not speak love at a time where we see injustice? Why not be the anti-injustice? And that justice can only be found in our full awareness of who we are in Christ and who we have been called to be, being made in the image of God. In the image of God. And there are people right now who you suffered injustice. Yes, you're just like the people we just read in these three chapters. You suffered injustice. And you're asking God, when will you avenge me? I need, I need vengeance. Notice, he says in, in chapter 35, verse 1, plead my cause, O Lord, with those who strive with me. Fight against those who fight against me. He says, stand up for my help. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. We need to be resting on the Lord, even in times of injustice. This is not saying that we don't speak against um, injustice in America or injustice around the world. We don't speak against racism or we don't speak against those things. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is what's your motivation? Is it just that it doesn't feel right? Or is there a higher purpose to this? Is there a higher ideal? Is there a greater motivation? Or is this simply a reaction? Let me say one thing. I know I'm ranting. Stay with me here. Man's justice is always reactive. So it's reacting to something. It's not motivated by anything. It's simply reacting to his own comfort, his own pain, his own vengeance. But God's justice is proactive. It's actually pursuing something. Man's justice is destructive. It's pulled down the people who are in power that are causing me pain. God's justice is exhorting. It's building up. God's justice says, I see what's being imposed on me, but I'm going to reveal the justice of God that's going to elevate and to lift up all of humanity. It's about a greater ideal, about a bigger purpose. So what justice are you seeking? Are you simply seeking revenge for those who have been unjust to you? Or are you seeking the glory of God to elevate and to be a part in redeeming all of humanity? There's a bigger ideal. 
that man's justice will never attain, that man's justice will never get to. And the only way we're going to see that justice, because you can weep about it. You can, you, can, you can be angry. There's something about righteous anger. You can be angry about the things that you see. Jesus was angry about injustice. Jesus was angry about economic injustice. Jesus went into the temple and flipped the tables because of economic injustice. So all these people, I want to make sure that this also doesn't make all the, you know, the, the people who are anti-social justice people comfortable as well. This is not a pass for you to do nothing. As a matter of fact, the problem that we have in the church today is we don't have enough believers flipping tables. Did you hear me on that? We don't have enough people flipping tables. We presented Jesus who is nice. We presented Jesus who's docile, who's very subtle. You know, blessed are the meek in spirit. And so we, we have this Jesus who's so docile, but we also have a Jesus who flips tables, who sees economic injustice and says, yo, this is the house of the Lord. And yet you have made this a den of thieves. We have a Jesus who stood up for women. Yes, we have a Jesus who stood up for women. As a matter of fact, he's the one who elevated women in his ministry, gave women rights that the world at the time did not. It was Jesus that took the disenfranchised, the least of these, and put them in position and gave them the opportunity to experience the privilege of the gospel. No, 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 no. Ah, this ain't a pass, y'all. That Jesus is not just a Jesus that sits back. He's a Jesus who fights. Yes, he's the lamb that was slain, but he's also the lion of Judah. And there are many of us who you're hearing this, and I want to make sure because I don't want everybody, I don't want that group who's here as well to get comfortable and say, finally, somebody, somebody's finally saying it. You know, all these social justice movements, <laughs> they're all, they're all wrong. Finally, finally, they're finally saying it. You know, all these social justice things. These are all these social justice movements. Christians shouldn't be involved in those things. Finally, somebody's speaking about it. Finally, this is great. Um, yeah, but Jesus still flipped tables. The problem is, is that social justice movements haven't been about the glory of God. It's been about the glory of man. But the glory of God does not come without justice either. And so if you are silent and you're not weeping at the injustice that you see in your neighborhood, in your city, in the world, and if you're not asking for God to execute his vengeance and righteousness against it, my friend, you are complicit in the wickedness of the enemy. That's right. You are complicit in it as well. Yes, he is our salvation. But we got to get this right. I see two sides of the spectrum. I see two sides. And both sides. I see these two sides that are all the way, all the way out here. And both sides are way off. On one side, I got the social justice warriors who they're fighting for justice. Fighting for justice is nothing wrong with that. But to what end? Because if you're fighting for justice, because it just, this is wrong for a people group to impose power on another people group, and you're just fighting for, for your justice, you're essentially seeing a justice that wants to pull down the one in power to equalize that person to your level and now to empower yourself over them and so now you've got a justice that now has become an injustice. You've done what all of history and all of humanity have done. So you got that side, and that's injustice. But then you have this side, and on this side, you got people who say, listen, I don't see, I don't see Black Lives Matter in the Bible. I don't see social justice in the Bible. I don't, I don't see that. And so, listen, 
That ain't my problem. Okay? I'm just here to serve Jesus. Let's just preach the gospel. Let's just serve Jesus. That's all we got to do is just serve Jesus. I'm, you know, for, forget, for, you know, forget that there's all this other stuff going on. You know, let me just ignore that. And yet read this text one more time. And what you're going to see is that even those who remained silent were considered wicked as well. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Exactly. You know, the, the shut up and dribble people. Excuse me? What did you say? <laughs> and so now, where do we first begin to see healing in the land? Get out of your mind. First step. Get out of your wisdom and first seek the wisdom in the heart of God. I know this is this is this is uncomfortable. I know it's uncomfortable, and I know some people, this is it's not what we want to hear, but read the text, y'all. These are people. Make sure, remember, we're, we're talking about context here. These are people who are who are being marginalized who are captives, who are outsiders in a land. The Hebrews are a people who don't have the economic opportunities of the rest of the world. They're, they're under the oppression of the Syrians. Eventually, later on, they be, they're the people who are under the oppression of the Roman Empire. These people have been under the oppression of empires. These are people who don't, they're not enfranchised. They don't have the rights that others have. They don't have the opportunities that others have. They see injustice everywhere, and yet they're singing these songs. These are their versions of the Negro spirituals. And he says in verse 15, but in my adversity, they rejoice and gather together. Attackers gathered against me, and I did not know it. They tore at me and did not cease. And then he cries out to the Lord and says to the Lord, Vindicate me, O Lord my God, according to your righteousness. Did you read that? Make sure y'all read it with me. Psalm 35, 24. Vindicate me, O Lord my God, according to your righteousness. The prayer is, God, don't let me seek my justice. Let me seek your justice. Vindicate me, oh God. I'm going to move, but let me seek your justice. Let me be moved and motivated by your gospel. According to your righteousness. Not what I think is right. Not about what my, what I believe my rights should be. Not by what I think they should do. No, we need to first start by seeking his righteousness. And by seeking his righteousness, then it will inform how I seek justice. He says in verse 9, 36 verse 9, in your light, we see light. You cannot fight darkness with darkness. You're going to fight darkness with light. In Psalm 37 verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way and he, sh and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. It's not on you. It's on God. It's not on you. It's on God. I'll close with this and I'll just give you a, a microcosm of what this looks like. Martin Luther King, while he's greatly celebrated today, was not greatly celebrated in his time. Martin Luther King was on the FBI's most wanted list. We forget that. 
We forget that Martin Luther King was profoundly despised in America. He was a polarizing figure. Polarizing. Polarizing figure. We celebrate today, but if you go back and read the history, Martin Luther King was not liked. Not in the way that we celebrate today. And yet, how did Martin Luther King fight? He didn't ask people to raise up guns and weapons. He didn't ask people to go and take back what they took from you. He didn't go and that's not what he did. He believed in a higher ideal. He believed in the ideal of the one day when white girls and black girls would come together and play in the playground. He dreamed of the day when you know, when when the Negroes and the and the whites would come together and and eat together and dine together, when they would be friends and be one together. He 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 had an ideal that represented and reflected the righteousness of God. His ideal was motivated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for a man, when they asked him, well, how do you fight? The way that he fought was he sat. They fought on sit-ins, y'all. Sit-ins. We're just going to go in restaurants and sit. And we're going to allow them to beat us, kick us. People sacrificed themselves. The way they sought justice, they fought with silence. They fought sitting. Are y'all catching this? Of course Martin Luther King preached the Psalms because that's what the Psalms is all about. The Psalms is all about how God manifests his justice if we would just operate in the way that the children of Israel would sing and pray and, and aspire and believe. This man was profoundly hated for sitting and for asking those who were like him to go into restaurants and just sit. And when they protested, they protested silently. They weren't even yelling. They were just walking. And as they would walk, people would hit them, beat them. goes back to Colin Kaepernick. Side note, I know this, this might get me into some trouble. I'm sorry. This might get me into some trouble. Why is kneeling so offensive? Since when was the flag more important than the righteousness of God? Since when was the flag more important Important than the justice of God. Why did we get so angry when a man just kneeled? Unless we have prioritized our nation over the gospel. Unless we are more nationalistic than we are Christian. Unless we have a justice that reflects our own glory, our own power, and not the glory of God. A man kneeled and the world hated him for it. An entire country hated him for it. There's something wrong there. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to, to, to defend all his views. I'm not here to defend any of that, but there's something wrong there, family. And yet the beauty of it is this is how we fight. We don't fight with guns and knives and swords. We don't fight with vitriol. We don't fight with evil. We don't fight with darkness. We fight with light. And with light, we will fight. And so let us fight. But our fighting is on the Lord. Why do we take all this upon ourselves? 
when all we need to do is rest in his righteousness and justice and to do good. Last thing. Last thing. Someone just asked, well, how do you do this? Ready for this? <laughs> it's going to be real good. Ready? Ready? 37 verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. That's it. How do I seek justice? What do I do to seek justice? Ready for this? Trust in the Lord. First thing. You got to trust that God's moving. You got to trust that God is doing. You have to trust that God is working, doing the work that he does in us. Trust in the Lord. Second thing is do good. Do good. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, thank you so much for the badges, by the way. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, how do you seek justice? How does a Christian seek justice? Can it be through protesting? Sure, you can protest. That's fine. Peacefully. But how does a Christian, with the conviction of God and what he says in his scripture, how does he seek justice? Do good. That's right. Psalm 37, trust in the Lord and do good. You seek justice not by shouting at what's bad. Yes, you can speak up about that. But if all you're doing is marching and, 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 and chanting, and that's all you're doing, you have not yet fully exercised the justice of God. You have the opportunity to do justice by doing good, by dwelling in the land, by feeding on his faithfulness. That's how you do it. You feed on his faithfulness and you do good where you are. You pray for those who need prayer. You help those who are in need. You see those who are immediately in front of you and you do what God gives you to do, but it's not all on you. You can't make the world right. God is the one who's doing it. But you can live and move with the confidence of what God is doing and what God is accomplishing. So now we do good and in doing good, when we confront evil, we trust that God has our back to make all things right. Father, I thank you. Lord, that you left us with this word, trust in the Lord and do good and dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness. Father, teach us to trust in you. Teach us to trust in you, Lord, as we navigate through the pain and the brokenness of the world, the injustice of the world. Teach us also to do good. Lord, guide us and lead us into where you're calling us to go and what you're calling us to do so that we can participate along with you in bringing your justice and your righteousness to the world. Oh, teach us to dwell in the land. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would teach us not to see the world as something to leave, but Lord, to see the world as a place to participate in, to engage in. And so, Father, I ask that you would teach us to dwell to tabernacle with the people who are around us. Teach us to dwell in the land. And Father, Lord, teach us to feed on your faithfulness. Lord, that we would feed on it. Lord, that we would, Lord, seek your face. That we would get on our knees more than anything in the world. That we would pray and pray and pray that you would continue, Lord God, to feed us with your faithfulness. And Lord, that we would continue to give us an appetite for your faithfulness. Lord, bless us today, Lord, as we engage. But let, let this be the reminder for us today of what you've called us to do. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. I love y'all, fam. Thank you for all of you guys who are helping me reach my goal on Patreon. 
We want to get more patrons on board so that way we can really meet our goal and we can have more Bible studies. I know we do this Bible reading. This isn't really a Bible study, but to spend more time just equipping and empowering. We got one more study on Revelation that I'm going to squeeze in before the end of the year. Still working on the date. I'll let you guys know on Patreon. But starting next year, we're going to do a Bible study on the church because for many, what they believe the church is, is actually unbiblical. We need to get down to what is the church? What makes a church a church? And what is the church? And what has the church been called to do? These are things that just aren't really, I don't see them them being taught. And so we're going to really break that down. We're going to talk about the church, the irreducible minimums of the church. Um, Patreon is a platform for those who want to support. And like I said, this audio is going to go on the Read and Rant podcast. I, I ask you to subscribe as well to the Read and Rant podcast. We're almost at 50,000 downloads, by the way. I think we'll hit 50,000 today, which is amazing that we're hitting 50,000 downloads. Um, but uh, I will be putting this audio on the Read and Rant podcast. But I also put it right away. And I'll, again, the Read and Rant podcast is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday that it posts at midnight. And so there is a delay. This one won't probably broadcast until probably late next month. Um, And so it's all scheduled out for late next month. And so you may not get this right away, but as a bonus for the patrons who support um, on Patreon, um, I will will make this available to you in about another 20 minutes. So you'll be able to catch the audio on that. Um, But it's just a way, it's just a way to, uh, to encourage you guys to continue to support because I'm encouraged by you. And um, and so, guys, I love you all very much. I got to get going. I went a little bit over. But, yeah, we're here at 8 a.m. By the way, I won't be here on Friday. So Friday, I won't be here. And as you guys know, next week I'm out. Um, I'm out till the end of the year. But I will catch in and out with you guys on Patreon. So um, but the, if you are interested in becoming a patron, you want to become a patron on Patreon, um, it's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Isaac Frere, slash Isaac Frere, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Or you can also click the link in the bio and just click become a patron. Um, on, in the bio or in the, uh, uh, or in the, um, in the profile on TikTok. And so, um, I encourage you guys, love your support. Thank you for supporting. Either way, regardless, I'm glad you're just here. So if you're not, if you can't support or aren't ready to support, this doesn't stop what we do here. I want to keep, um, journeying with you guys through the scripture because I believe this is truly empowering for you so that you see the broader picture. 